May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. We are at the very end of our sermon series on the firm foundation. And uh, yeah, it's taken us the entire pretty much school year. And, uh, you know, I, I thought about what the last message should be. And I, I just wanted to give you a bit of practical advice <laughs> that we don't leave on a theoretical note, but a very, very practical note. And it is this, to start back at one. That's a bit of advice that we get from uh, the, the R&B legend, uh, Mr. Brian McKnight. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this song. Uh, it, it's, it's from the late 90s, uh, one of the great late 90s R&B songs. It's called uh, Back at One. And <laughs> what it's about um, is, I'm laughing because it, it's kind of a cheesy song, but it's great at the same time. Uh, and Brian McKnight totally sells it. I thought about showing the YouTube video, but I, I didn't want to get into like anything with like like, you know, the, the rights and whatever. I didn't want our video to get taken down. So later, and I mean later, don't do it right now, but after the sermon, you can look up Back at One by Brian McKnight if you want to hear the actual song. You might hear me sing a little bit of it. I can't guarantee that I won't. <laughs> but uh, so what it's about is this, this person who's like, you know, really, really in love with this person. And he's basically saying, Anytime my love starts to fade, anytime I, I start to, to take you for granted, I'm going to start back at one, baby. And, and so I want to sh- just share with you the lyrics. They're really cheesy, by the way. But it's like, like so it's like a one, uh, two, three, four, five step process. One, you're like a dream come true. Two, I just want to be with you. Three, girl, it's plain to see that you're the only one for me. And now four is my favorite because I think Brian McKnight, I mean, this is a great song. But I think he just ran out of things to say. And so he just says, and four, repeat steps, one through three. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) Five, make you fall in love with me. If ever I, oh, that's high. Believe my work is done. Then I'll start back at one. Yeah, baby, start back at one. What does this mean? And why am I singing this song right now (laughs) when we have been talking about building a firm foundation for faith? I think this idea of starting back at one, that there are times in our faith, you know, you got this big project. Build the kingdom of God, no pressure. Go, go, go do it, right? How do you do that? And I think there are times in faith where we get stuck. There are times at faith where we drift. There are times at faith, in faith, where we just get lost and we don't know what to do next. And so the very, very practical advice that, that Brian McKnight gives us and Jesus <laughs> gives us is that sometimes you just have to start back at one. You got to make things simple. Sometimes in faith, we have so many things that we're focused on 
and, and, and then we just lose it all. It's like trying to juggle so many balls and they all fall, or trying to remember so many different numbers and you forget them all. But if you just have one, 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 one thing to remember, one thing to go to, maybe that's the secret. Right? That's the secret to getting unstuck. And Jesus seems to agree with me. So Jesus uh, was visiting uh, this family, Martha and Mary. They're a very famous family. And Martha, you know, being a good hostess, wanted to treat Jesus and his disciples to a meal. And so that's what you would do if you welcome someone into your home. And so Martha's cooking away, right? And she had this sister Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I read it in that tone because I really think that's what Martha is doing. She is yelling at Jesus, right? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Yo, 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 what's going on? Martha wanted to do something nice for Jesus. She wanted to treat Jesus. She wanted to bless Jesus. But it ends up with her yelling at Jesus. Whoa, what happened? How did Martha get so far off track? Well, we're told that she got distracted with much serving. You know, maybe she got distracted with much dishes, you know? She's got an appetizer, and then she's got the soup, and she's got a salad, and she's got all of these different things that are going on, and she's just trying to juggle them all, and she looks over in the living room, and her good-for-nothing little sister is just sitting there, just, just, just listening to Jesus. Worthless Mary. Mary, what are you doing? Mary, you, you, you lazy... This is what Martha's thinking, right? And she, she, she just explodes. She explodes at Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, right? So she makes this about Jesus. This is the story she's making up. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this. We make up these stories. She's making up a story that Jesus doesn't care about her, right? Because if Jesus cared about her, then she would give Martha help. But Jesus doesn't yell at Martha, I mean, maybe some of us, the way we've grown up in church, this is the way we think uh, the story would have uh, ended with, uh, sorry, Jesus yelling at Mary and telling uh, Mary, Mary, stop being lazy. You got to serve. Serve, serve, serve. Go, 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 go. But no, he says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, right? She's got many balls in the air, many things that she's attending to. But one thing is necessary. What does he mean by that? He could be talking about food. (laughs) He could be saying, hey, we don't need 10 dishes, Martha. Just one. One, you lack a dream, (laughs) right? Just one. One thing is necessary. Mary, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her, right? What does it mean by the good portion? Sometimes people, uh, uh, the the different um, translations of this Say that Mary has chosen what is better. What is better, right? Now, he's not saying that serving is bad. Cooking a meal for the disciples is bad. But he's saying the one thing that is needed, the most important thing, is to be with me. And and so Martha's serving has gotten in, in the way of that. It has broken her fellowship with God, right? 
Now, there are many, many great sermons that can be preached and have been preached about how we can let our serving in church or our idea of our duty get in the way of devotion of God, uh, you know, devotion with God to God, that this, this relationship with God, loving God, it's supposed to be about that. But I don't want to focus on that this morning. What I want to focus on is one, one thing. He doesn't say many things are needed or a few things, right? Well, there's actually a translation that says a few things are needed, but really just one, right? So yeah, simplify, but really you only need one thing. I think we could take this very literally and say that it is about Mary literally sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. But not all of us are able to do that, right? I mean, what does that even mean? Now, where Jesus is not present, he's not speaking audible words. How do you, uh, in the spirit of what Martha, excuse me, Mary has chosen, how do you spiritually sit at the feet of Jesus? It is, I think, about learning to be with him, right? And so for us, I think what, what we need to learn to do is to do that. And the reason why this is so important is because for many of us, The problem that we face is not that we willfully go against God, right? I mean, look at Martha. You know, I don't think she thought to herself, you know, today I'm going to yell at Jesus and I'm going to break my fellowship with him and I'm going to accuse him of not caring for me, right? This is not a rational process. It just happens in the course of her serving, right? There's a lot of things in life that happen in the course of life that we didn't intend to happen. And Dallas Willard says that the greatest spiritual problem today, it's not necessarily us actively, you know, moving away from God or or saying like, you know, no, I don't believe anymore. But it is drift, spiritual drift. Years ago, I was with my family and we were at the beach. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in the ocean and we had these like inflatable rafts. And I was like hanging out on my inflatable raft, and you know, you, you can tell that I have glasses. But when I, when I was on that raft, I, I, I had goggles on, but you know, they weren't like prescription goggles. I don't even know if they make those, so I couldn't see really well. And I'm just kind of like hanging out on that raft and just kind of like you know doing my own thing. And before I knew it, I look around and I don't see my family. Right, like I have no idea where I am. You know, like we have beach towels out. I don't see the beach towels. I don't see anything that I recognize, you know? And there was like a pier that was there, but I'm like, am I closer to that pier or farther from the pier? I had no idea where it was. And it was like so scary. I'm like, guess I'm an orphan now. (laughs) But, you know, eventually I found my, my parents, but it took a really long time. I had to, you know, physically get out of the water Because the water, you know, what's happening is that there's just a natural drift, right? The tide, it just kind of brings you out, right? And just when I was just floating out there, just minding my own business, I had no idea how far I moved from home, from home base, right? And so I had to literally get out of the ocean and walk, and it took like 20 minutes for me to finally find my parents. Luckily, because of the pier, I knew that the pier was, you know, on this side of me. So I knew that I didn't want to walk towards the pier, so I walked the other way right? And so uh, eventually I found them. But this idea of spiritual drift, I I think is so profound, right? And it it is so natural 
for many of us to just drift. You know, I, I know that I've seen that in my own life, and probably you've seen it in your, own, in your life, or maybe you know people, where it, it's not just one thing that, that brought them away from the faith, but it's just little things. Maybe it's just the stress of life and whatever. And, you know, honestly, this is the way drift often comes. It comes like this. You know, okay, you, you have a stressful day or just a stressful period of your life or, you know, you're bored or you're lonely or there's just something going on. And what happens is that there is something that triggers in, in, in your mind and your heart. And it is the, this, this, this feeling. It, it's a feeling. It's not a rational thought of this. I don't feel like doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, right? I, I, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading scripture. I don't feel like going to church. It's a feeling, friends. And that's where spiritual drift starts. We like to think of ourselves as these very rational beings, right? And that we look at something, and we're like, oh, this is good for me. Reading scripture I'm going to read scripture because I know it's good for me, right? And, and most of us, we approach that, and we hear sermons like this, and it's always like we're trying to appeal to your intellect, to your rationality. We're like, this is good for you guys. Don't you want to do this? And you may be all nodding your head like, yeah, yeah, it is good to pray. Yeah, it is good to read scripture, right? Who has gone to a small group and been like, I don't think reading scripture is a good idea. I don't think prayer is, is going to help me. Nobody says that. But in those moments of difficulty in your life, you may not feel like doing it, right? And so you don't. And one day you don't do it, and maybe two days you don't do it, and then three days you don't do it. Maybe one week you don't go to church, and then the next week you're like, yeah, well, you know, I didn't go to church last week, and now I'm building a new pattern. Well, I don't feel like going to church this week. I'll go next week. But then next week rolls around. You're like, well, I didn't go the last two weeks. Well, I still don't feel like going, and it's like even harder at that point. And before you know it, you don't go to church anymore, right? Friends, I've seen it time and time and time again. It's just these little driftings that happen throughout life. And so, friends, what do we do about that? I actually used this in a sermon before um, from Frozen 2. Uh, This, to me, was the best part of Frozen 2, um, I'm not going to give away what was happening, the context and whatever, but there's this moment where Anna is just literally in, she's hit rock bottom. Like she's literally in a cave sitting on a rock at the bottom, <laughs> right? Like it, it just the metaphor is very clear. She's in the dark. She's grieving. She has lost all hope. And she starts singing this song about I will do the next right thing. I don't know that song nearly as good as uh, Back at One, so I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, But it's this beautiful song because basically what Anna is saying is that, you know, when you are stuck, when you are in a place where it seems completely hopeless, that for her, instead of trying to fix the problem, because that feels overwhelming, right? You know, and this is the problem with drift, Right? The more you drift, the more the problems seem to be you know, adding up or the more stuff you need to do. You're like, man, I'm so far from God right now. I haven't gone to church in a year. I don't even know where to start. Right? And I know some people feel like that. I hear people say that all the time. They're like, man, my life is screwed up. Man, I'm so lost. I don't even know where to start with God. And so Anna has a bit of advice for people who are, sorry, is it Anna? 
I'm like Midwestern. Anna? <laughs> but Anna? So Anna has a bit of advice for us. Um, and so I'm, I want to read for you a part of the lyrics of the song. Uh, they're, they're brilliant lyrics. It's great advice. Um, but there's a flaw in it. And, and I want to share with you what I think the flaw is. It says, can there be a day beyond this night? I don't know anymore what is true. I can't find my direction. I'm all alone. Right? She's lost. She doesn't know what to do. So she says, just do the right thing. Take a step and then step again, right? One step is all that I can, uh, is all that I can do. Sorry, uh, I copied this from a lyrics website. <laughs> That's a typo there. It's all that I can do, the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take. But break it down to this next breath, this next step. The next choice is one that I can make. So again, this is great advice, right? When, like, like you're, you're like stuck in, in that rock bottom place or you're in a place uh, where you've been spiritually drifting and you don't know what to do. You don't know how to make it all better. Well, don't make it all better, right? Anna's advice is just take one step in the right direction, right? Just do the next right thing right? And so you just break it down, right? Like, like so, um, and then once you take that one step, obviously all your problems won't be solved, but it gets a little bit easier. Every time you take a step, you're like, okay, well, now I'm moving in the positive direction. Now you feel successful. You're like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. So you start feeling a little bit better. Because friends, make no mistake, you are not battling your intellect, you're battling your feelings. And oftentimes your feelings are so different than what you know you should do. I know I should pray, Pastor Steve. I just don't feel like it. I feel you. I feel you. I know that feel. Don't you? Right? And that's what we're battling. And so this is the thing. This is where I disagree with Anna a little bit. It's not that I disagree with her. I just think that when you are in rock bottom, when you are in this deep, dark place where it seems hopeless, I think it's really hard to be rational enough to be like, okay, let's figure this out. What is the next right thing? And this idea of the next right thing, like there is one right next step, can feel as daunting as trying to fix all of your problems. I mean, most people know that you're going to solve your problems one step at a time. That's not the news, right? But for most people, they're like, but... Pastor Steve, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what the next right thing is, right? And so, friends, when you're in that moment and you got all the feels and you got all the emotion, right, you don't even feel like sitting down to figure it out. You're, you're just, ah, right? You're just, I, I just, I just, I just want to sleep forever. I want to eat a bowl of ice cream, right? I want to do these things that are easy for me to reach for, Right? Trying to pick the absolute best next right thing, that doesn't seem like something easy to reach for. So I want to adapt this, friends. Instead of do the next right thing, I want you to do a next right thing. And so this is what I want to talk about today. Some of y'all are starting small groups, and I think this is a great thing to talk about. This is eminently practical. I don't want you to find 10 things to do. I don't want you to find the Next right thing, the absolute right thing. I just want you to find one. One, right? Just start back at one. That's it. That's all you got to do, right? Now, friends, why is this important? I think for a lot of us, we do this even without knowing it. You have a go-to move at times. Now, I don't know if you guys are into basketball, but um, 
if you've ever seen like Michael Jordan play, um, there are times where like, like their offense would break down and they just get stuck. Michael Jordan would get stuck, you know? And so he's just out there on the wing. It's like, oh, no one's open. And so what, what Michael Jordan would do, and this is what made him so great, is he had a go-to move. And, and we're showing it here on this GIF. On, 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 it's looping again and again. Is it GIF or GIF, by the way? I say GIF. Anyways, but you see, this is his go-to move. It was this, like, amazing thing. He didn't make it every time, but it was reliable enough that he's considered, like, you know, arguably the greatest player of all time. And so it's this fadeaway, right? And so if a guy's on him and he's draped all over him, he'll fade away so far back that even if the defender's in his face, he can't block that shot, right? I mean, it's beautiful. And so, friends, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, if you play basketball, have you ever seen someone with a go-to move? Um, I I used to play basketball with uh, my youth group in Maryland, and there was this brother who had this go-to move. The first time he did it, we were all floored. We were like, "What, what did you just do? Like, he would used to watch, like, all these, like, mixtapes where people would, like, like you know, uh, they, they would play, uh, like, playground basketball and just do these crazy moves. And so he had this move where he would put the ball behind his back, and then he would use his, his elbow to hit the ball in, in the other direction. So you think the ball's coming out here, but it would come back here, right? And the first time he did it, right, I mean, you know, I think the defender, his ankles broke. Not literally, right, but that's what we say, right? He, like, fell down, and we're like, ah! Everyone lost their mind, you know? But th- this is the thing. Whenever the brother got stuck out there, he would always do that move, the same move, behind the back, but now I'm going to hit it with my elbow and go down this way. So after a while, you would anticipate it. it go behind the back, you're like, I know it's coming back, and you would just wait, right? And you could, like, steal the ball, you know? He became too predictable, But the thing with the go-to move is that when you get stuck, when you don't know what to do, you just do it. It becomes instinct. Some of you have like go-to catchphrases (laughs) or a go-to greeting. Mine lately has been this. And if you guys have been on any Zoom call with me, you know this is what I do. What do I do? When I come on the Zoom call, I go, what's up? Right? It's my go-to. Right? It's just kind of fun. I I don't know. For me, that's my go-to. Um. What about on the dance floor? You guys ever, like, dance? Uh, Maybe that's not a big thing anymore, especially during COVID, but, like, middle school, high school, maybe you go to the club, and it can be super awkward, right? You go out there, like, let's dance, and you go out there, and you're like, well, I just feel like a fish out of water. I don't know what to do. I feel so awkward, right? And so, for me, when I was in college, I mean, you know, uh, I I would sometimes go dancing. And and so I had a go-to dance move, right? I'll show it to you guys. I mean, I hope this doesn't... (laughs) offend you too much or it's too painful to watch. Uh, Yeah, maybe it's just painful, but um, it's like this right here, right here. All right. So this is it, right? So, so, you know, arms go this way, body goes this way and just, just like this, that's it. Right. So you go on the dance floor and you start and it's just, right. It's just automatic, right? I can just do it without thinking. I can do it in my sleep. Right. And so it's just the move you do. It is the go-to move for me. (laughs) What's your go-to move? You guys have go-to moves. You you all do. What do you do when you're bored? What do you do when you're stuck? Most of us, I'd say, I I, I don't know if I'm being so bold, in the 90% range, it involves this, right? It's your phone. There's an app you go to. There's a website you go to. It's YouTube or it's Instagram or whatever, right? There's something that you look at first thing in the morning. It's just instinct. You have been trained, right? It's just a part of you. 
When you're bored at a party, when it's awkward, when you're in a meeting and you don't want to listen to your boss drone on and on, and, and if you could get away with it, what website do you go to? What app do you open? When you're sitting there at home and you have nothing to do, what is your go-to move? We all have it. And this is the thing. You didn't have to think about it, right? There was no thinking involved. It was you know, relatively easy for you to do that. It's now the low-hanging fruit for you. And this is the way habits work for us, is that oftentimes if you do something often enough, it can be relatively automatic. Now, for Michael Jordan, I don't know if it was completely automatic, right? But anytime he got stuck, he could reliably pull out that go-to move, right? And so, friends, what I want is for you to develop a spiritual go-to move. Does that make sense? Anytime you get stuck, Anytime you're having a bad day, anytime you're discouraged, you're feeling like giving up, you're feeling like giving up. Intellectually, rationally, you know you shouldn't. I'm not talking about intellectually, rationally. Because in that moment, you're not thinking that way, right? In that moment, it's just the feels. I don't feel like doing it. So much of the spiritual life is learning to move when you don't feel like moving. And so, friends, it's going to be so much easier. Unlike Anna, where she's in the cave trying to figure it out, that's not the best moment to figure it out. To me, it would be better if before you got in the cave, you already knew what your move was going to be. Does that make sense? You've already developed it. You've already worked on it. Anna's in the cave. She's like, I don't know what to do. All right, well, I practiced this spin-away, fade-away jumper, and I've done it 5,000 times before. So in the cave, she can do it right? In that moment of need, she can pull it out reliably, right? And so I want us to be able to build something like that. So if you don't know where to start, start back at building one go-to spiritual move, right? And so friends, um, so yeah, uh, it's not do the next right thing, it's do a next right thing. And friends, why is it a next right thing? Because I don't want you to get paralyzed by trying to figure out what the absolute best thing is, right? The, the point is to take a step, right? And so if you're trying to move, if you're stuck, if the point is to move, it's not like, how do I take the best step? Does my step look like this, right? Like, like how, how long is it? Like, don't think that way. Just take a step. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the step looks like, just as long as you move in the right direction. So what we are talking about here is not just doing anything. We're not just talking about, you know, going on Instagram and whatever. You have go-to moves that aren't necessarily helping you. They're actually not moving you towards Christ. They're moving you towards something, right? Maybe comfort, Maybe complacency, I don't know. I'm not saying those things are bad, but I'm saying those things aren't moving you towards God. And so your spiritual move, your spiritual go-to is going to be all about trying to move closer to God. So let's just spell it out this way. What will be your go-to move? This is what you're going to talk about in your small groups, if you have a small group. If you don't, I don't know. I don't think you can write comments, but you could put it in the chat or you could talk to me about it. Talk to a friend about it, right? Uh, Talk to your spouse about it if you have one. What will be your go-to move? Your one thing you can do to move closer to God. And if you don't know what it is, I want you to develop one, right? I want you this summer to work on making one, right? That it just becomes habit for you and that it's something that's easy to reach for. Friends, you're not trying to win any awards when you're stuck, right? I mean, it's not a moral test anymore. 
you may have heard me say this before, but it's this idea that when you're stuck, you feel like a failure, and you feel like you have to prove something, like, I'm not a failure, you know? I am good. And so sometimes when we do things that are easy to do, it feels like a cheat. We feel like it should be hard, like it's something that someone can pat yourself on the back about. But this is the thing. If you're stuck in quicksand, who cares? It's not about doing something that's impressive. It's just about getting out of the quicksand, right? And so, friends, you know, I I am in the interest of getting you to move, to move towards Christ. I don't care. I don't care if you're the best mover towards Christ ever, right? But I do care about the people of God getting stuck and then drifting away from God. And so, friends, let's make it easy. Why do we make it so hard, right? Whoever said it had to be hard, right? Remember, your merit, what earns you salvation is not what you've done, It's not about works anymore so that no man can boast. It is about the grace of God. It's about what God has done. But he's created you for good works. He didn't say he created you to do very difficult good works that you're going to have to do out of your own strength and power. It's not about that, right? But he does have plans for you. But we get stuck, and he wants us to move. So friends, let's let's talk about what are some things that you can do. I want to give you five different areas and, and remember, it's all about picking one. You can pick more than one, but, you know, the, 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 the song is called Back at One, not Back at Three, right? And so let's just pick one. But I'm going to give you some suggestions, all right? So the first one is a go-to spiritual practice. Now, you heard the, the pastoral interns talk about how the thing that they walked away with, because it was the biggest point of emphasis, was spiritual discipline. I'm like, man, if you guys don't learn anything from this internship, I don't care if you learn how to preach. I don't care if you learn how to uh, lead a Bible study. The most important thing is you to develop your spiritual disciplines. Because if you don't have that, then you could become a Martha, right? You could start becoming bitter at God because you're serving and you're serving, but you've lost your love. You've lost the first love, right? You've lost the most important thing, which is to learn to be with God. And so, friends, I know we've talked about before things like uh, contemplative prayer. In contemplative prayer, it's this beautiful practice that it's all about your intention. Contemplative prayer, it actually looks very, very similar to uh, what, what we call mindfulness meditation. But mindfulness meditation is different because what you are focusing on is different. Uh, mindfulness meditation is all about Um, you know, finding something to focus your attention, right? So they always say this, what? Focus on your breath, right? Because it's the easiest thing to focus on or the most, you know, everyone's got a breath so you can focus on it, right? But contemplative prayer is different because it's not about attention. It's about intention. What are you there for, right? And and what, what contemplative practice is about is I'm just here to be with God. And in developing this, in, in developing a, a regular practice that you do all the time, or like, uh, you know, every day, I should say, that you do daily, like in the morning or something, is good because it will become automatic, right? But there are times where you feel stuck. And so, you know, developing a practice where you are with God every day will help prevent you from getting stuck in the first place. So that's the best thing you can do. Do something that you will do regularly, right? But for me, too, there are times where I get caught up in the feels, Right? I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like writing that sermon. I, I'm discouraged. I feel lonely. 
I'm getting bummed out by this whole pandemic. When are we going to open? Are we waiting too long? Are people going to start leaving because we haven't opened? And like, I'm like, ah, what do I do? What do we do next? And there are times where I got to just, you know, maybe I already had my contemplative prayer in the morning, but I'll just sit on a chair. It's got a solid back and do what I do in contemplative prayer, which is just be with God. Just take some deep breaths and just say Jesus and just remind myself, God's in control. I'm here with God, right? I I just need to know that God is here. I, I just need to let myself kind of stabilize for a moment. Stop thinking so much. Stop feeling so much, right? Because your your thoughts and your emotions, they're happening so quickly. And and we think that we're supposed to stop them. But often, we're not strong enough. We can't do that. And so contemplative practice is just this moment to say, I'm not in control. I'm just going to be with God. And I'm going to learn how to do that. Right? So it's something that, that takes training. Right? But there might be moments where you can contemplatively, um, I mean, you can do this while you drive. Turn off the radio. Right? Put, you know, uh, uh, YouTube on pause for a moment. You know, don't, don't listen to anything. Just take a moment and just be with God. Just know that he's there with you, right? And learn how to do that. So that's one, one thing you can do. Develop a go-to spiritual practice like that. Um, another thing you can do is go to a spiritual place. So for me, um, I go to the park often. I know I talk about this a lot. I used to go to uh, Gallup Park. It's my favorite park in Ann Arbor. Um, but lately, I've realized that there's something that happens to me when I think about going to Gallup Park, is that I think about how long it's going to take to get there. And it's like about 20 minutes from my house. And, and sometimes when I'm just not feeling like doing anything, I don't feel like getting in the car, and then I'm counting the cost, and I'm like, 20 minutes too far. It's too far. And so you know what I would do in the pandemic sometimes? I would just go walk outside in my neighborhood. I'm like, okay, I can't go to the park because for whatever reason, I can't convince myself to drive 20 minutes, but I can just walk right outside. But I found this park that um, I go to sometimes, and I used to think of it as plan B. (laughs) It's like, if I can't go to Gallup Park, then I'll go to Lily Park. But honestly, Lily Park has become my plan A. And, And I'll tell you, there's one reason. It's beautiful. This is a picture from Lily Park. There's this beautiful wooded path that I like to take there, and it's so nice. Right? Like, like, like it, it really, really does help me to feel like I'm, I'm with God. Um, but uh, uh, for me, the reason why it's my plan A is because it's only five minutes from my house. <laughs> so I, sometimes I can't get myself to drive 20 minutes, but I can do five minutes. Right? And so, friends, again, it is about reaching for something that you can do easily in those moments when you don't feel like doing anything. Right? There are people who will do this with like going to the gym, right? Like, like if you want to go to the gym, make it easier for you to go to the gym. You want to go in the morning, fall asleep with your, your gym clothes on, right? Have, have your sneakers right by the bed. So you literally get out of bed and you step on your sneakers. You're like, well, might as well just put the sneakers on. Make it easier. Make it something easy to reach for, right? Pick a park on the way to your work that you can go to for five minutes and just spend some time with God. Right? Or maybe you're coming back and it's been a stressful day and, and you just want to come back and start playing video games or something or start watching Netflix. Maybe on the way back, you can take five minutes to stop at that park on the way home right? and just walk around for a little bit and just be there with God. 
Um, another thing we can do, uh, uh, another uh, go-to thing, is a go-to spiritual song. I would highly recommend this. Maybe start filling your playlist with songs that you know will remind you about God's love, right? That it's about God. It's, it's the gospel. It's about what God did for you, right? That God loves you, that he's on your side, right? And, and you can make a pl- playlist. It could be called Go-To Song. I want to encourage you to do this. Now, I usually don't uh, suggest things that involve money, but I would highly, highly suggest if you have like one or two songs that have become your go-to songs, I, I, I encourage you to actually download it, right? Like, like go to iTunes or whatever. I'm not sponsored by iTunes, right? But, but the point is that, you know, if you have to like sit through a YouTube ad, right? If you have to de- re- depend upon a reliable internet connection, maybe you're in a place where that's just too much to reach for, right? I'm not saying that's bad, but maybe if you actually had the song on your phone and it was on a playlist and it was there on the surface of your phone and it was easy to reach for, then maybe you would go to it more often, right? And maybe when you're not feeling good, again, you know, it's not about what you do but maybe you can just let someone else sing over you. It's like, I can't do anything right now. I can't even pray, Pastor Steve. I can't open the Bible. But maybe you can just press play. Maybe you can just let someone sing over you. And that can help remind you that God is for you. Maybe that can be something that starts to change things within you, that encourages you to do some of the other things to step towards God. But that could be the first step you take, the one thing that you can do first. Um, another thing is go to scripture, right? Um, so this is something that uh, I learned from uh, Reverend Cho, uh, who used to be the senior pastor here. I was going through a really tough time, and he re- recommended this to me. He said, you know, Pastor Steve, this is what I do. I go to my notes app, and so y- you can see uh, this is a notes app, and he would just have a running list of scripture that he would write. And so for Pastor Cho, uh, whenever he was discouraged, he would just go to the notes app and start reading that scripture that he already put down there, right? It's ready to go. He doesn't have to look it up. He doesn't have to figure out, hmm, what would be an encouraging scripture to read? It's already there. It's easy to reach for, right? And there'd be times where he's meeting someone, that person's running late. And so he would just, instead of going on his phone and looking at ESPN or, you know, whatever we do, going to Instagram, he would go to his notes app and he would just start reading that scripture, even if he wasn't discouraged. It just started to become a habit that he formed, right? And so I would highly, highly encourage that. Come up with a go-to scripture note that you can put right on your phone, right? And you can have that on the surface of your phone, easy to reach for whenever you need it. And lastly, a spiritual lifeline. And so this is a a still from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? That when you get stuck in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you have these different options that can help you. And one of them is called phone a friend, right? When you get in trouble, you can call a friend that you know is good at trivia, that just knows things that you don't, and they can help you answer that question. They can help you to get unstuck. And so friends, um, I, I wanted, the reason why I called it a spiritual lifeline is because some of you think you have this, but it's actually not a spiritual lifeline. You have someone you complain to, and I'm not saying that's bad. You have someone that you can vent to, right? But what I'm talking about is someone who can actually pray for you and spiritually encourage you. Do you have someone like that? And then my question is, can you be that for someone else? This is the best way to do it. You know, some of us, we we feel funny asking someone, can you be my spiritual lifeline? But how about this? Can we be there for each other? 
If you're in a tough uh, uh, time, you're discouraged. Is there someone that you know you can reach out to? You can text and you can say, 911, SOS, I need prayer right now. Maybe they can't call you. Maybe they can't talk to you at that moment. But they can pray for you the moment they see that text. Do you have someone like that in your life? Right? I have someone like that in my life. And it's beautiful. And it's awesome. And we use each other. Right? I mean, it's almost equal parts that him reaching out to me. At times, he's like, bro, I just need some prayer right now. Right? I just need some special covering for this. Right? And there are times where I do that for him too. There, we talk regularly on the phone. And, and we can encourage each other that way. But also in those special moments when you feel stuck, do you have someone that you can reach out to for encouragement and for prayer? Friends, um, there is this beautiful scripture that encapsulates what we're talking about. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. James 4.8. It doesn't say there, do this or that or the exact same thing uh, that, that someone else did or you, you know, follow this 10-step procedure. It's just this simple. Just, just draw near to God, right? Maybe you can't even take a step, but you just kind of lean, right? And your leaning is just pressing play on that spiritual song. It's you just, you know, texting someone, I need prayer. That's all you can do. You yourself can't pray. But maybe you can reach out, right? Just take one step towards God. That's what it's about. Friends, um, we've been talking this whole year about building the kingdom of God. It's a big thing. We're going to keep on talking about it. We're never going to stop learning how to build the kingdom of God. But friends, as we close this sermon series about building this firm foundation for faith, I just thought it would be most appropriate to say, yeah, there's big ideas out there. There's so many things we talked about. Well, if you ever get stuck, if you get, ever get discouraged, just know the reason why you can draw near to God so easily is because he's here for you. He's always here. He's on your side, right? That's the message of the cross. Jesus died for you, for your sins, for sinners, for enemies of the cross. And so if you're going to want to draw close to God, you better believe he's going to draw close to you. But practically speaking, we need to start back at one. Just one thing. What will you do? So let's do one thing right now. Let's go into our time of communion.